Welcome to Baffling Cyclops. I'm David. I'm Pepper Proxy. And uh, Halloween just happened. Yay! We didn't have many trick-or-treaters, though. No. But, but we did have the most important ones. <laughs> right. We had uh, Blondie and Brother from across yes. the street came. And my favorite part of Halloween, um, even more than them coming to trick-or-treat, was them warning us that their costumes were scary. This so year. scary. <laughs> they were so scary. I and then know. trying to get us to guess what their costumes were. I know. It was a bat and a witch. They're the... Most precious. Aren't they just precious? They are. I love them. I know the the funny part was they were almost warning us so we weren't too scared. Too afraid when, when they, they showed, showed up. Yeah. Because it was like Yeah. They were like no video game characters for us this year. Yeah. No no princesses. We're going pure horror. Okay, but Stephen also- King, Clyde Barker, <laughs> horror. With a little bit of sparkle. Yeah. Well, Saw movie horror for three and four year olds. <laughs> okay, I'm a bat. So which... I, okay, can I just say, brother, in his when he lifted up his little arms, he's three, probably three and a half now. Lifted up his little arms with the bat wings, and they're both very verbal. Yeah. So she is maybe six, six and a half, but she speaks as though she's like twelve. And brother is three and a half, and he's like, and has the vocabulary and the language skills of like an eight year old. So it's just precious. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and um, the my favorite part of the bat costume um, and the witch costume is mom did like a makeup black mask around their eyes, so they were a little Scary. hidden beyond just because their yeah. faces were out. So she scared him up, but his black mask was also a bat. So he was a bat with a bat on his face. And uh, that was very cute. Yes. And uh, Blondie, his sister, was very concerned because their uncle had purchased them trick-or-treat bags with their actual names on them. Yeah, he had them embroidered for them. They had them embroidered, but he obviously ordered them over the internet and didn't see them in person because they were very different sizes and hers was smaller. Okay, so I I don't think that's what happened. I don't think uncle has kids. And so I don't think he understands how important equity is, especially for Blondie. Right. So Frank brother got a Frankenstein bag that was more that than appeared enough. appeared to be Bigger. That I would say could hold 30 full-size candy bars, <laughs> whereas uh, the black cat bag he got for Blondie could hold 15 full-size candy bars. And it was bars. so cute because it like was a he- it was like round and it looked and, like a cat head. And it was perfect for were a you costume. In, were you impressed with though how I like tried to like calm her jets with yeah, that? But, I think I taught her some geometry. Yeah, you were like, maybe. <laughs> It's uh, the cubic square yeah. inches are the same. Yeah, I don't think that was the case though. But <laughs> I don't either. But it made her ponder. It did make her think. Because mom something. and dad both said yes, yeah. yes, Blondie. Or I almost used his real name. Brother's bag looks bigger, but it might not be. <laughs> yeah, but it is. <laughs> his Frankenstein head was bigger. So that, but that was, uh, that was the best part of Halloween. We really only had two groups of trick-or-treaters, uh, Blondie and Brother, and then kind of a big group. 
Well, I, I had a I had an interesting news story today that I don't oh. think you've heard about. Oh, please that, share. Um, I thought was interesting, okay. which is um, there's this company called Mischief, and it's uh, one of those internet companies where they just cut the vowels out of the name, so it's M S C H F. Can I just tell you those kind of companies remind me of that mind freak magician? Well, what's his name? Uh, um, Chris. Chris Angel. Angel, yeah. yeah. Um, so mischief, um, they're the ones they do um, mischievous pride projects, and they're the uh-huh. ones that did um, the blood shoes for Lil Nas X. Okay, I, I, yeah, you the know Satan what? shoes. I just flip and love that guy. Yeah, I love him. Where they bought the Nikes and yeah, then yeah, added yeah. blood I and lo- all of that. The whole thing was genius. Genius. Y- yeah. So they okay. they did another project. Okay. That I wanted to give you a opinion of. So they bought. Um, an original Warhol drawing from the mid 1950s, so before he was super, gr- yeah. you know, probably called Wait, fairies. So that was a that was that a pencil drawing or just like a pen drawing, just like okay, okay. So so it's three okay. naked ladies and they're jumping rope. So two of the women are swinging the rope and one is jumping in the middle of the rope. Okay, and um, they bought it for twenty thousand okay. dollars original drawing. And then uh, they made 999 uh, indistinguishable copies of it. I love it. I so, love it. So they... they um, copies like with like, a machine or no, by hand? They like... Well, it is by machine, but they had it use the original kind of ink. Yeah. Then they aged it. Um, even the original, they marked with their stamp on the back. And they put a signature on all of the copies that they did of it as well. Isn't that copyright though? Because you can't even if you own a piece of art, you just you're well. Listen okay. to what they did. Okay. Okay. So then they um, so they now have nine hundred and ninety nine copies in the one original. Mm-hmm. They mixed the original in with the copies. I love it. And destroyed any indication of which one was which, and sold them for two hundred and fifty dollars each. I, I love that so much. So they took a $20,000 piece of art and they turned it into $250,000. And one of the people out of those thousand owns the original. The original. And the other ones, who, who ha- like, the knockoffs might be worth more than the original. Well, they're... And the, more people can enjoy it. And their their argument about the copyright issue is... They've created an entirely new work of art because How? the art is now the copies that it's part of. They didn't destroy the original, but now yeah. there's this larger piece with all of these copies and they've created this art experience for people. I'm for it. This story. Well, see, that's why I, I'm for I I know. I, I can't believe I'm for it, but I am. But. I also think it would be different if the if that happened, mm-hmm. but the artist was still alive and creating, and somehow losing out on their talent and their skill. Like if it was Mark Ryden, for right. instance, and like, well, he's a bad example because he's like so he's a millionaire, like uh, Billy Davis, because. We have his prints, and I'm looking yeah. at them. Like, it would suck if that happened to him. Right. But 
there's something about the Warhol experience because it, yeah, because that was Andy Warhol. Like the it was his. He would, I think, Andy Warhol would just be tickled. Right, and their their um, philosophical point yeah. was, um, and I'm going to read a quote from their site. Paradoxically, for artists, successfully merchand- uh, mar- bleh, merching down an object, making merchandise of an object, um, equals consistent increased revenue that reduces the value of the original piece of art, but it increases revenue to the artist. So if the artist can make t-shirts yeah. and, and, and stamps and other stuff out of the piece of art and they get more money for it, they increase the revenue, but they decrease the value of the original piece of art. So um, I just thought that was an interesting point too, that they were saying that they were in showing people how to increase revenue and mm-hmm. decrease the value of the original piece of art. Because the original piece of art, the value goes to the person who buys it. So if it goes up over time, that value, it doesn't go back to the original artist. It stays with the piece of art itself. Yeah, that's why I was thinking like it has to do with who the artist is. Mm-hmm. Because I also thinking like of Brandon Bird, who worked so hard and... And is like such a talent mm-hmm. that if that happened to him mm-hmm. and he wasn't in a collaboration with that company, that would, I would, I would have a totally different opinion. Well, it's really interesting because I do think they chose a very specific yeah. artist yeah. and situation to do it with. So I don't think they created. Um, the worst possible case scenario, which you would could easily do, where you were ripping off a poor artist who mm-hmm. didn't eat, and then this mischief company is making money off of that artist. And this is basically saying, what is the piece of art? And Be- it does, which Andy Warhol asked as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. And it feels like it's more authentic to art than... Um, you know, I, lo- I love Jeff Koons, but I understand why people... Don't like his art and, and or consider it even art. Don't consider it yeah. art. But I, I personally love his work. But we, you know, there are companies that make balloon animal sculptures, which we and have I have some. some. Yeah. I have some of them. But that kind of feels like even less of a artistic choice and. Um, respect for art than far less than this. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, and I, I, one of the other things, and you bring up a really interesting point. And, um, one of the things that this also brought up for me is, um, in photography, the person who has the picture taken of them does not own the art. So if you're, I don't think they should. Well, that's fine. But then you get situations where, um, like I'm going to use a housewives example. Uh, Lisa Renna just got sued by a paparazzi company because the paparazzi took pictures of her and published them and she put them on her Instagram and they sued her for 40 grand fee to put it on her Instagram. And uh, another example recently, which I thought was interesting, was uh, the 
guy who was the baby on the cover of Nirvana's Nevermind. I know, I think. He, I mean, he's yeah. he's he's done various things to try and profit off it over the years. Yeah. But he thinks now he should get paid again for being the artist's model on that, even though well, he's there, unrecognizable. There was more to that, too, though, because he was a baby and really didn't have a say in it. And his genitalia can be seen if you like if you're looking for it yeah but so the question is he doesn't own that picture and he shouldn't he didn't take the picture right so that's that's really interesting and do you know do you know the monkey lawsuit too no tell me about that well there was a um the i can't remember which which organization it was and i don't want to i don't want to um push off but uh a nature photographer put his camera out in the middle of a field and he was getting it set up and a monkey came up and pressed the button and took his own picture. And everyone was like, Oh, it's the first primate selfie. And then, um, uh, uh, one of the animal organizations sued saying the photographer doesn't own that picture. You can't sue on behalf of an animal, but that's what they were saying. So they were trying to imbue personhood on the animal and say, so anyway, I just think it's all, it's all very interesting. Yeah. Like who owns what art, well, I when? think like I think the thing with Lisa Renna that's weird is, you know, I used to be a huge fan of hers, and now I'm like, because I loved how she like was trying to produce the show, and now I'm just like, oh, you're kind of gross, but she didn't sign a release for that paparazzi photo. I wouldn't be surprised if she called the paparazzi to say, take my photo, but she didn't sign a release. But when you're talking about artist models that are human, <laughs> no primates, um, I was thinking about like the, the people that posed for Robert Maplethorpe and I'm just like, okay, what if one of those, mostly they were men mm-hmm. and they're somewhat graphic or very graphic. I wonder if any of those men would be like wanting to use that photography as their own or somehow do something with it because it's their bodies. Yeah. But they also signed a release. But I also think Robert Maplethorpe would figure like work with them. I don't know. As an artist. Yeah. I just thought it was all, it's all a very interesting gray area. Yeah. Of like, and I, and I think that um, one of the interesting things the mischief people are doing yeah. is distinguishing between value and revenue mm-hmm. for a piece of art. And to call that into question, um, I think, is a really important thing to do in our day and age. Yeah. Because it's not all those little um, NFTs are being sold now, which is um, it's basically... Uh, it's connected to Bitcoin, and the idea is you create like a number that goes along with a piece of art, mm-hmm. and you can buy that number and you own it, and then you can transfer it. You don't. It doesn't imbue you any actual ownership over the piece of art, but there's one number that's connected with that art, and you own it. So, but I don't think that like. I'm going to maybe misuse like NFT, but 
you have to have something tangible. I think for art, it has to be something tangible or an experience. And that doesn't feel like either. Right. But some artists love those NFTs because they can sell it. And you can make an NFT where if it ever changes hands again, you automatically get 10% if someone sells it. So the original artist gets money. So if the value goes up, the artist can continue to collect money on that mm-hmm. piece of art. So artists aren't necessarily against it. And I agree with you. Like, I would never buy an NFT because I want either an object, art, or an experience to go along with yeah. what I purchased. I don't want a baseball card of a piece of art yeah. <laughs> that I can well, hold on to. Well, it reminds me of, like... Years and years ago, when Bill Gates, because he has his mansion here, um, and there, I, I read an article. Um, it was maybe in the New Yorker um, or Vanity Fair about how he had projections of the art that he owned, like in like this pristine framed experience, but it wasn't the actual thing. It was just like a projection. And that kind of bummed me out a little bit. I thought you were going to say, um, what's what's the company that... Mischief. I, th- I thought you were going to say Mischief took these drawings of the fairies. And I think I, after we've been talking for a while, I think I know what ones you're talking about. And they're, they're not great. I mean, it's fine. It's, but it's, it's a fine drawing. The only it, ha- to me, it only has value yeah, because Andy Warhol him. did it. Yeah. Right, right. Otherwise, it's just a cute drawing. Yeah, like it, it's, it's yeah. fine. It's yeah. not... Like, it's nothing to, like, write home about. But I thought you were going to say they destroyed it. That they, like, cut it up into little cubes mm-hmm. and then put those, like, in some kind of encaustic work or some kind of, th- like, more modern pre- presentation. And then that became the art. Um, which I think I would have been okay with that, too, for... Andy Warhol, not for other art, but for him, because I also think he would have been like, this is art. This is real art. Because the revenue was part of his art. Yeah. And he was like, he was kind of like just, he kind of made fun of art collectors. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and it also was uh, really interesting too, because, you know, he, he um, was started as a commercial artist. And he really, like, blurred the line between a fine and commercial yeah. artist as well. So that, to me, is also really interesting. Yeah. So um, Mischief has an app that you can download for your phone that you can yeah. see their new projects as they're downloaded. And I was going to talk to you about this outside of the podcast. Okay. But instead, I thought I would talk to you inside yeah. the podcast. So here's my question. If we had known about the... Andy Warhol. Absolutely. You would have wanted to buy one. Absolutely. You would have been all over that. I would want to buy that more than I'd want to buy um, the original fairies. Right. Because it's part of the story. It's it's less money. It's it's intriguing and it's modern and interesting and it's it's kind of cool. And I love what they did with those shoes too. And that they got this mega billion-dollar corporation to get their panties in a bunch over, what, a thousand pairs of shoes? Yeah. I like it. It's It, it feels like it feels very 
relevant and current and modern. Well, they've done um, 59 projects so far. Museum of Forgeries is what this one is called. Yeah. And it's number 59. The Satan Shoes were number 43. So they've done a lot of projects in between. So what I'm going to do is I'll um, I'll send you the app. Okay. And you can set it up so it has a, a notification on your phone when they do a drop. And decide. I probably won't even download that. Oh, my gosh, David. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Can I interrupt you? Of course. I would love a museum of foraging. <laughs> oh, can we make that happen? Where sure. you like forage for little mushrooms or little rocks or like you're foraging for like little treasures that are hidden. And they don't even have to be organic treasures, but just like a foraging treasure hunt. I love it. I do for too. It. Okay, go ahead. Well, <laughs> Sorry. The, the, we're recording this on November 7th. Okay. And their next uh, drop, as they call it, is 16 hours and 23 minutes from now. Okay. So we can see if that's something that we're interested in or not. Okay. I, I don't think I'm going to want to like put the effort into it, but as an a, like afterthought, I'm like, that's really, really cool. Yeah. But it's like Banksy. Like, it's cool, but I'm not... I, I don't know. I don't want to put any effort into it. <laughs> All right. Because it wouldn't be as cool. I'm just telling you. I just, it seemed like each one of these projects that I've read about, because I've read about other ones too, yeah. there's something about it that makes me think that you'd be like, maybe I want a little piece of that. Oh my God. Okay. So I'm going to have to set my flipping phone alarm for 16 hours and. What did you say? 1622. Oh, jeez. Oh, my God. Now that's all I'm going to think about. I won't be able to sleep. Oh, you won't no. be able to sleep. You'll be like, oh. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that with me. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad you thought it was interesting. And you're cool with it, too, which is really yep, interesting. I am pro. Because I wasn't sure if you would um Well, are you? Care. What do you think? What do I think? I think yeah. it's, I just think it's a good art project. Yeah. Um. The Warhol estate has sued other people, and they got sued over the Satan shoes, too. So I'm assuming they're also wanting to um, have a lawsuit come from this. To, like, get a little bit of heat. Promote the mischief company. So um, I think the legalities part of it is really interesting. Um, And if they have a good enough legal team, they could really define how art is legally treated in the future, which I think is an important... Uh, battle to have so I'm, yeah. I'm I'm kind of glad some clever people are involved in that but I do think that then like art snobs will change the definition of art and marginalize this company and other like mass produced or like marketed art well because and- they're snobs and they're old-fashioned well, part of the whole NFT thing is to take the reins from the art snobs, because if you can own part of a piece of yeah. art for in some other way for less money, it deflates that. Because I think that's never going to happen. It's just intriguing. Yeah, like yeah. I said, like it's intriguing to yeah. see. But anyway, okay, well, um, thanks everybody for listening, and I love you, Pepper. <laughs> yeah. 
I love you, David. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And to read our show notes, sign up for our newsletter at bafflingcyclops.com.